0: Good morning Northbrook. Uh, Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 8. Our text will be verses 1 through 22, but I'm going to read 1 through 4 for us here. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, for a proof to them this is the word of the Lord
1: all right well good morning been a a bit of an adventure this morning so for those of you that are on our you know communication channels you got a couple texts this morning Uh, one saying we were going to be outside um, and that's where my head was. We're like, okay, here we go. That's what we're doing. And it was actually a little easier to shift from to that than when we, we realized we could come back inside. I was like, wait, I'm all on board with outside. What are we doing here? But then I walked into the AC and I was like, okay, there's, <laughs> there's a reason we do this. Uh, and uh, as I was thinking about that, I'm not trying to, well, yes, I am trying to make a point from that. But uh, one of the things I was just reminded of in that back and forth is the the sweetness of gathering with God's people and the effort and energy uh, that we put into that. Um, I was even reminded about how in the midst of COVID, when that was uh, taken from us for a season, um, when we didn't get that, how uh, even though for us, maybe that was a little shorter season than than some that were like in Italy or or whatnot, but uh, just even that reminder uh, the reminder of not being able to do that for whatever reason, and now uh, being able to, um, and, and how even as a pastor who, you know, to be honest with you, one of the things me and Randy have to think about is we need to think about taking Sundays off, not how many Sundays we're present. So it's not like I'm I'm here pretty often, uh, but even ha- as as a pastor that is, is present often, how I can take gathering with God's people uh, for granted, and so just even this mind this you know, back and forth of this morning and figuring out what to do. Um, and, and again, just from like, man, anytime we get to gather with God's people, hear from his word, sing to him, uh, consider who he is and consider our lives and that the spirit would be kind to pour out, man, as early and as often as we can do that, man, let's do it. Uh, so whether that's in homes, whether that's here at schools, when we can get in, uh, that was the other thing I was reminded about is like just how weak we are. Like we can't even get into buildings, you know, like we just, it was locked and we had no, there was, well, I guess we could have, uh, but then we'd have had a lot of ramifications if we'd have broken a window just to get, anyways, I don't know why I went down that route, but um, just how weak and needed we are and how good and gracious God is. And so thankful for that reminder and thankful just to gather with y'all this morning and, and continue to see what the Lord will have for us. Uh, so we are beginning and i I know we've got lots of kids in here. And so, uh, I would promise that I'll be brief, but anytime I promise that, I really don't know if I'm being honest, so I'm going to try not to lie, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I am going to address you, Hey kids. Hey, Hey, good job. Y'all have learned the little liturgy. Good job. So when I say, Hey kids, if you're a kid in here, you can say, Hey, what? So we'll do it again. Hey kids. Oh, good job, Lily. Uh, and so, um, yes, you can, and there'll be a couple questions for y'all along the way as you color and get into your activities. So we're hopping into uh, Matthew 8 and 9. So it's the beginning of this series that we're uh, kicking off called Jesus Miracles. Um, and I mentioned this last week, but just to give you a little bit of reminder. So I think it was, yeah, it was 2021 that for Advent, so December 2021, we went through Matthew 1 and 2. Um, and then in 2022, we slowed down. Uh, and went through the Sermon on the Mount and kind of bridged that gap uh, between chapters two and chapters five and now in 2023 here we are we're picking up in chapters eight and nine Uh, and so we're just kind of you know we have other books we go through all at once and so when we have little moments in the preaching calendar we've just kind of picked Matthew back up and I did the math and I think at this pace we'll be done with Matthew in about nine to ten years uh, and so it's going to be great. Y'all can look forward to Matthew 28. Well, just add 10 years to your age right now, and well, then you're going to go on a different route and not paying attention to me, but that's fine, uh, and so in, in doing that, we, we've looked at Jesus' origin. Uh, we've looked at his, uh, his preparation for ministry. We've listened to his most famous sermon, uh, and that was just uh, an incredible time to, to take in his teaching, and now we're gonna see another aspect of Jesus' ministry, which is his miraculous healing. Um, so, hey, hey kids. Hey so, so just tell me like your favorite action movie. Just go ahead. Just go, go ahead. You just blurt it out. It's Winter Soldier? Yeah, that one's good, I like that one. What's that? Mario, yes, that was good. We we sing that Bowser song all the time at my house. Uh, but Peaches by Jack Black, you should look it up if you haven't watched the YouTube video. Um, so here's the thing. What's that? Top Gun, that one was good. And here's the thing about that. Top Gun's a good example. We've actually just watched the first two, Indiana and Jones, uh, recently. You know, they all come on Disney Plus, And I don't think I actually saw the first two original ones until the other day. I thought I saw them all when I was a kid, but I guess not. Uh, but one of the things I realized is like, it just doesn't stop like it just like there is no stop to the action. It is just one thing after the other. And it's like at the end, you're like, oh, OK, I can take a breath now. Uh, here we are. Um, and one of the things that we, we will see in the just in this passage that we're going to look at and in chapters eight and nine is it is it is just action. It's like the most like if any one of these things were to happen in our life ever, it'd be probably the most significant thing that ever happened in our life. And yet we just see it one after the other. I mean, we see this through Matthew, but in chapters 8 and 9, it is just nonstop. And again, I, I kind of highlight that because sometimes that can be lost on us because we're used to hear, hearing about Jesus healing people and the miracles uh, that he does. But it is is—it is just, it's kind of uh, crazy to really consider uh, all that is packed in uh, to these few verses um, and just consider who Jesus is and what he is doing. It is, it's really uh, incredible. And so what I wanna encourage us is not to let the miraculous become ordinary to us. Like, cause that's what happens. We just, oh, this is who Jesus is. Uh, but this is, mirac- these are real people in real need meeting a real Jesus. And so as we encounter Jesus in his word, we should be just as blown away as those that, are, that were standing there uh, with him. And and that's really my hope. If I had a hope for this series, my hope would be that we would walk away each week and overall in all and more in love with Jesus. That he is worthy of all of our love and all of our life. And, and that's what we'll see as we encounter him. Uh, this morning. So we're just going to kind of walk through this. Uh, As as Joy said, we're going to go through this whole passage and we're just going to look at each of these little sections. And then at the end, uh, we're going to have some, make some observations about who this Jesus is and see these two different roads that these disciples have the opportunity to take. So we're going to see, I'm going to title each of these. We'll see Jesus and the leper. We'll see Jesus and the Gentile. We'll see Jesus and the woman. We'll see Jesus and the many, and then we'll see Jesus and the two potential disciples. And so, as you heard Joy read, Jesus and the leper. Uh, again, I think one of the things that can also be lost on us is is uh, like trying to put ourselves in the place of a leper is is just pretty difficult. So even if if you think of you know, this didn't really come too close to home, but like the bubonic plague, that was like the best example I could think of. Like when that broke out in Africa uh, a bit and think of the trepidation you would have and walking into uh, a campground where that had broken out, where they're being cared for and, you know, tended to and potentially where you could get it. Uh, Like that trepidation, that nervousness, that fear, whatever was going through your mind in that, way, in that way would be what would be going through people's minds to some degree when lepers. Would. So lepers would have to yell out when people would come close, unclean, so that people knew that they were a leper and to, to stay away. They were outcasts, not welcomed in. And so this is, the, this is the, the life of the leper and who Jesus is encountering. So, hey, kids, so don't yell this one out, because it wouldn't be good. Uh, but I know that you, co- you come in contact to people that you feel really uncomfortable around. You see them, there's something different about them, there's something going on, you're just not used to seeing a person like that. There's something as adults, we feel it too, but as kids you really feel it, and then sometimes you say it. Um, and, uh, but, but that is what's going on here. Uh, and here's kids. kids, this is what I want you to realize is that Jesus goes towards those kinds of people. So, so the people you, and to be honest with you, I, feel like, oh, I don't, I'm just gonna walk around, I'm gonna go in a different direction, I'm gonna not start a conversation. Jesus goes towards those very people. Um, and he models that for us, and he's modeling that for us, really in all of these uh, examples here. Um, and so with this leper, again, a person that is outcast, Jesus moves towards them. And Jesus felt this leper actually comes to Jesus. And so the leper feels comfortable with Jesus. So that says something. But even more, again, Jesus feels comfortable with the leper. But I love the two truths that the leper declares. One, he says that Jesus has the power to heal. But he also says, hey, Jesus, I know you have the power. But he's like, if you will. He knows that it's actually ultimately up to Jesus to heal. That, that you have the power and uh your willingness is is what i need and then just i love how what jesus does because we're going to see here in a moment that that jesus doesn't need to touch anybody to heal them but obviously the very thing that the leper would be very foreign to uh someone else much less a stranger's touch uh jesus reaches out and reaches towards i imagine even maybe touching the very spot that's leprous on, on this uh this sick person and obviously, instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper is healed. And then he's encouraged to go to the priest and go through the elaborate instructions of Leviticus 14 to enter back into uh, the camp. But again, after he does that, it's, it, we can't overstate the way that this person's life is changed. So there's the leper. And now we see uh, Jesus and the Gentile. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and the centurion's And the centurion, Jesus said, and to the centurion, sorry, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Um, And I I say, just again, just to think about the context, I, I say Jesus and the Gentile, obviously he's a Gentile soldier, but Jesus had just blown everybody's mind with this teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. They'd come down from the mountain, and now he's got this crowd. And now what he's doing is he's blowing everyone's mind about who the kingdom of God is for. Like it's for lepers that were part of Israel, and it's for people that are not even a part of the Jewish people, but are actually opposed and enemies of the very Jewish people. Jesus is is welcoming Jesus is healing Jesus is interacting with these uh, very people again he's showing off that uh, I think I said this earlier I think it was Francis Schaeffer was like you know if we prayed for the kingdom of God to come and it actually came a lot of us would not like what came like we say that and we pray that prayer and that's what that's what's showing up here it's like even Jews praying, God, would, you, would the Messiah come? Would your kingdom come? And then, oh, the kingdom looks like this. Wait, I'm not, that's not what I was praying for. I'm not sure about that. And, and again, I think that same thing happens to us. Uh, there are people, there are groups of people, there are people that we feel more comfortable with and less comfortable with and more opposed to and less opposed to. And what if revival broke out amongst those that we feel most uncomfortable with. This is what's happening uh, and with Jesus inviting this man uh, into uh, God's story. And it's pretty mind-blowing. Um, and so obviously the soldier had heard about Jesus uh, in some way and it seems like there's obviously there, there's a difference here. The leper, there was some, you know, maybe recent accident that left one of his servants paralyzed and, and obviously uh, in great pain. But then obviously that interaction is just so incredible. Jesus is like, hey, yeah, I'll come and heal him. I'll come do it so we think the story's over but the centurion this is what this is the faith that jesus commends he's like jesus i believe in your authority so much like the authority i have in my life when i tell someone to go do something and he does it when i tell someone to come i give them an errand and they're under my authority they go do that he's like i believe you have that authority over spinal cords over sickness over whatever mysterious force that's keeping this person paralyzed I believe you have that kind of authority where you can just say it and it will happen. But here's the other thing the centurion says. He says, I believe you have that authority and I believe I'm actually not worthy of that authority. That, that I am not worthy. Is, it's actually the same, uh, same phrase in the Greek that John the Baptist says when there's a man that I'm unworthy. Uh, and that's what the centurion is saying of Jesus. You have this authority and I am unworthy of it, but you could do it. And that's, that's the faith that, that Jesus is commending uh, in this Gentile soldier. And so we can see why he's uh, commended in this way. We can see why people are blown away, but he has this faith. Um, and then this is what happens. And Jesus says, go, your servant is healed. And then we just get these, this little quick exchange in verse 14 and 15. Jesus and the woman. And when Jesus entered Peter's house... He saw his mother-in-law lying sick with fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. And I love this, like the difference in each of these. It's like Jesus isn't responding even to a request here. Like, nothing's been said to him. He's just, pro- isn't this the healing we all want? Like we didn't even ask him for it. <laughs> he just comes over and like, and we don't know what, what is this? Is this malaria? Is this the flu? Is this life-threatening? Is this a, a, a bad cold? We don't know. But Jesus just sees her, he goes over and touches her, and then relieves her discomfort. Um, And this is actually one of the miracles where we actually get to see their response, and she gets up and begins to serve him. And then lastly, the many. That evening they brought to him, in verse 16, many who were oppressed by demons, He cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. And so here we just obviously see a a more general picture of healing. We don't know all that was going on here. The town of Capernaum probably had about 1,500 people total-ish in Jesus' day. Um, And so out of that, all the people that were uh, in healing in any way obviously word had got out probably the disciples were bringing these people uh, to Jesus and and Jesus is being he's overflowing and gener- generous in his healing but it's also in verse 17 to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had spoken so if and he's talking about Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 here and let me let me read this for you so surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And if you hear that and hear how Matthew's using that, uh, to be honest with you, you should be like, okay, that's interesting, or that's different. Because that, what Matthew is doing is he's broadening, broadening the understanding of what, what we read in Isaiah with griefs, and sorrows, and also obviously Jesus as our healer. Within Isaiah 53, uh, in the Hebrew, it also these words also have the idea of illness and pain. And so when we hear Isaiah 53 brought up in the New Testament often, in First Peter or Romans 4, that I don't have time to get into, uh, but it's dealing with our sin. That's that's the reason Jesus came uh, to heal us, uh, but and He has, and that is a big part of Isaiah 53. But He's also come to not just heal us of our sin but to make us physically whole. That's what the the redemption of Jesus is doing and will eventually do. Even so, when we pray for physical healing, it's appropriate to acknowledge that in Christ, we are perfectly, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually whole. And that we ask God to bring that reality to bear in the here and now. That's what we're asking uh, God to do. And that's what we see Jesus do here. That's what we see when he's bringing his kingdom, the kingdom that will eventually, where we will be all of those things, he is bringing that in the here and now as he walks around and heals in his day and as he even moves in that way uh, in our day uh, as well. And so again, there's, there's the stories, some observations about them. But from that, again, if we want to, walk away in awe of who Jesus is in these stories, then what can we understand uh, from Jesus? Who is this Jesus? One, this is what Matthew is trying to get us to understand. That Jesus has all authority. So, you know, the response of the people were, from the Sermon on the Mount after they heard this incredible teaching was, whoa, I have never heard teaching with this kind of authority. What, and What is happening here? And now, Jesus modeled that kind of authority in his teaching, and now he's modeling that kind of authority over creation, over sickness, over our stories, over the spirits of this world, that that Matthew is trying to help us see that Jesus has all authority. And that his authority is in line with his will, as we see the leper proclaim. His authority is all-encompassing. There is nothing he doesn't have authority over. And his authority is full of compassion. Jesus is generous with his authority. This is how he exercises his authority. And here's the important thing to realize about Jesus' authority, is whether you put your faith in Jesus or not, he has all authority. Let me say it this way. None of us actually give Jesus authority over our life. He actually already has all authority over our life. We either recognize that or we do not. Or we continue to try to grab for that authority and act and live as if we have authority over our own life. And here's the real, that's just an objective truth that that is the reality that is true. This is the kind of authority that Jesus has. And again, we see Jesus use all of His authority for good. Hey kids one we're we're getting near the end and y'all are doing pretty good some better than others but I'm not going to tell who I'm just joking I didn't that was I'm not I really don't have a thought in my mind of which kids are doing well or not but um so uh now I've lost track oh yeah so kids have you ever seen a movie about a king tell me a movie about a king a show about a king what's that go ahead lord of the rings yes there's a example of different kings good and bad go ahead the kid who would be king, the kid who would be king. yep I'm, I'm familiar with that one one more yep emperor Cusco. Emperor Cusco. <laughs> which one's what's that from emperor's new Groove. yes okay i am familiar with that one i just forgot his name but here's the thing about all the, like those movies and other movies. We just watched uh, A Knight's Tale, a little flashback to 2001. And uh, the, uh, there's that moment in so many of those movies where someone, either in a just or unjust way, has ended up in you know, a really bad situation. And what we see is someone with the authority to do something comes in and pardons, and in a knight's tale, there's, the guy was found out. He was legally, you know, under the law, legally uh, condemned and uh, ready to die. Uh, but then the king came and, and pardoned, and not just pardoned, but also made uh, the king's son. Yes, sorry, Ginger. Uh, the prince uh, came in and pardoned him. And there's something that we love. We're, we're drawn to that story. That's why I can't remember the one famous director. He's like, there's only like three or four stories that we, anybody ever tells. There's no, there's no more than that. Uh, and that's one of the stories that we see rehearsed over and over and over again. And every story and every movie that a, a good, all-powerful king uses that good to, to serve and to heal and uh, to help. And, and where our heart is warmed to that. Uh, again, when they, especially when they use their all-powerful goodness for undeserving people. And here's the deal. Jesus has no equal here. He, he has no equal. He, he's, he is perfect in that way. And, and we get to acknowledge that and receive his compassion, or we get to stand opposed to it, just like people stand opposed to good kings. Not everybody loves a good king. Uh, but, but we get to acknowledge that authority in Jesus, or we get to continue to rebel against it. But he has no equal. He has all power, and His compassion is perfect. Um, and in this last, you know, again, as you could think about, everybody just heard this amazing teaching. Everybody's just seen all these miracles. Jesus is gathering a crowd. People are, are willing to, to follow Him. Um, and now we see in this last little bit that Jesus' uh, compassion and authority actually is over our stories uh, as well. Uh, Many people are looking to follow him. Maybe you're considering Jesus. Like maybe you're thinking, oh, should I follow Jesus? Or you've uh, been exploring who he is and what he's done. And like, maybe you're considering putting your faith in him. Well, here is what Jesus would actually say to you. Verses 18 through 22. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. He wasn't worried about drawing crowds. He often would leave them. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And so so what we see here is Jesus actually uh, speaking to two different kinds of struggles in a potential disciple. The first one, probably a little overzealous, uh, expecting a life of adventure maybe. And then one overly cautious, not wanting Jesus to disrupt his life too much. And the the similarity is they, they wanted to add Jesus to what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to kind of baptize their desires of, hey, Jesus, we want to follow you, but we want following you to look like this and be like this. Um, Instead of giving their whole life over to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are worthy of everything Um, and giving that him his proper due where would you fall in this spectrum again maybe even if you're considering following jesus where would you fall what would be your objections have you told jesus i'll i'll follow you wherever you go but what you mean when you say that is i'll take great risk for you i'll offer my life as a blank check to you but i know that that means i'm going to be part of these certain experiences i'm going to see revival i'm going to be successful in my business i'm going to do i'm going to take all these risks but it's because you are going to do this thing is that uh, what you say to Jesus? Or are you maybe similar to the other potential disciple? You want to get some family affairs in place? You know, he wants to follow Jesus, but he actually just needs to tend to some good things first. Not bad things. They're just things he needs to get kind of sorted. Things he needs to get figured out before he fully commits. Again, if you, if you lend towards the overcautious, what is that? in your life? What keeps you being overly cautious in your temptation to follow Jesus? I think about this, how do our kids factor into that? Is there a way that our kids create a caution in our lives? And I say this as like probably one of the more anxious dads in the room. Uh, is there, is there a, a way that our kids create caution in our lives that inhibits the way we follow Jesus? I'm not talking about a lack of wisdom. I'm not talking about being unwise or being unsafe or anything like that. But how do our kids affect that? Have we, have we thought about that? Maybe even our health. Is there a way that, I mean, again, as we think about the people Jesus healed, is there a way that our, our health, again, we get got to consider our health, we've got to be healthy, we've got to pursue health, all of those things. But there, is there a way that pursuit of health and a caution around that actually inhibits our following of Jesus? I've talked to many couples before, and is there a way even that your spouse, in considering them in a way that is overly cautious, inhibits you from following Jesus? When you're on board with something, when you're wanting to pursue something, but they're not on board, um, is there an unhelpful way your spouse inhibits you from following Jesus? I'm not saying these things, um, just asking the questions. I think a common one, obviously, even as we think about caution, it's a little more rebellious, so we don't think about it. But sometimes we have these pet sins in our life. It's like just this thing we don't want to give up. It's, it's a common thing that if you were in high school and part of the summer camp, you know, summer camp, go and love Jesus. Go back to school and do everything but love Jesus and go back to summer camp and love Jesus. You know, that on again, off again thing. Maybe that's just me. Uh, when I was, but it's like, oh, man, when I get older, this will, this will be easier. And what that was is I thought sin was better than Jesus. That's what that was. Um, do we have anything like that in our life? There's just these pet sins that I kind of don't like, but I kind of do like, and I don't really want to get serious with Jesus because I know I would have to give these up. What might that be? Um, Again, are you just cautious about faith in Jesus because you think he's just going to ask too much of you? Um, Again, so there's the the thinking about following Jesus in this way, but then there's those of us that have counted the cost. We love, we're following Jesus, we have given him our life, but we all have these bents. We all have the bents to idealism that think following Jesus is gonna look this way and be this way and feel this way. Or we all have a bent to being overly cautious with our life to keep it a certain way and, and following Jesus. We don't want that to disrupt that even as Christians. And so what, where, where would you naturally lean there? It's good for us to consider. Jesus teaching and ministry, uh, Jesus teaching in his, his miraculous healing It invigorates some, and it terrifies others. Um, That's just a a reality. And Jesus is telling these two disciples, hey, don't be idealistic, but don't be fearful. Come follow me, come what may. You you are not going to know. You won't know, but it's worth it. Um, That's what Jesus is encouraging us towards. I'm going to conclude with just a, a couple thoughts. One, we, we tend to think if we lived in Jesus' time and saw him perform these miracles, we could more easily believe him. That's a, that's a common thought, and to be honest with you, I obviously understand the logic of that thought, and I have been tempted to believe that too, but just to say it plainly, that is actually a heretical thought. That's not, that's not true at all. That kind of thought is telling God that he has not revealed himself sufficiently. And it exalts the physical and our mind over the spiritual. If we were physically present and we'd have less need of the Holy Spirit to show us who Jesus is, we'd just be easily convinced. Here's the reality. God does not need you or me to instruct him on the best way to reveal himself. He has done it. And, And not to mention just the simple fact that many were there. Heard him teach. Saw him perform miracles and did not believe. So don't let your wishing to see Jesus perform miracles keep you from missing seeing Jesus in his word. That the Jesus we just heard about, the Jesus we can read about, don't miss him. This is how he has chosen to reveal himself to you. And so you can know it is actually the perfect way for God to reveal himself to you and to me. And the Jesus we see in Matthew 8, the Jesus we see in the Scriptures, is alive today. So here's the the second thing. One, I don't want you to get overly consumed, like, oh, if I could just seen Jesus do this, then I would believe. No, you get to hear about Jesus doing this, and you get to come to believe, or you get to come to not. You get to come to continue to choose, like, man, Jesus is fine, and all these other things, which is really not a Jesus at all. That's what he's telling you. He's like, hey, no, you don't get to... You don't get to choose what this looks like. You get to give your life to me um, or it's yours. Either way, I have all authority. So, he's, so seeing that wouldn't, wouldn't convince you any more than seeing it in his word, but I also want us to realize that Jesus is alive today and he is present by the power of the Holy Spirit and the same Holy Spirit that actually empowered him to perform these miracles is the same spirit that Christians today have working in and through them. Like you have, as a Christian, you have this same spirit working in and through you. So here's the final question. Questions, sorry. Where do you need Jesus to reach out and touch you? What area of your life do you need him to speak a healing word over? What evil spirit needs to be cast out? What spiritual, mental, physical, emotional healing do you need Jesus possesses the same power yesterday today and forever and so it's this Jesus that we come to with these things it's Jesus that you look to it's not a I mean Jesus does and works this way through his church and through people and and maybe part of you going to Jesus is going to someone else and saying hey will you pray for me to be healed in this way or will you pray uh, for Jesus to help me believe his truth in this area of my life maybe you need to go to someone you probably do need to go to someone uh, but you also just need to come to Jesus and ask him to do those very things he is alive and willing and able And so maybe you want to come up after church and ask me to pray for you in that way. Maybe you want to come to someone here that's a good friend and ask them to pray for you. Uh, But I'm going to give us a moment to actually just go to Jesus in these ways. Where do you want him to touch you and heal you? Where do you want him to speak his word over you and bring healing? Uh, where, Where do you need Jesus' work deeply in your life? I'm going to give us a moment to pray and go to Jesus. So again, kids will be busy. Kids will be doing things. So in the midst of that, in the midst of wrangling them, let's take a moment to consider Jesus and who He is and where we want Him to come to us this morning. Take a moment and just pray where you're at, and then I'll close us. Father, we come to you now and thank you for sending Jesus that we could see him and see who you are, that we don't have to wonder about the kind of God you are and what you do with your authority, your love, your generosity, your compassion. And so we ask that you would pour out your spirit, that we could see Jesus all the more clearly, that we would never fail in continuing to come to him. I pray for each of these little kiddos, that they would come to Jesus, that they would see him and know him, that they would give their lives over to following him. And I pray as uh, adults that we would model their childlikeness, and we would come to you like them. Uh, unfiltered, uh, uncleaned up with all the busyness that's on our heart and mind with clear needs that we have, clear hurts, clear struggles. I Just think of the ways they they cry when they get hurt so clearly. Lord Jesus, we need to come to you and cry because we are hurt. And we need to ask for your healing. Would you forgive us for how much we try to clean our lives up and put our lives together and and come to you so clean and put together instead of the very way you've called us to which has to come to you as we are um, and even as we start to do that we tire in it pretty quickly so spirit would you give us a steadfastness and would you fill us would you fill us with uh, your power and your work Again, mainly so we could just be in awe of Jesus and His love for us and love Him. And then, Spirit, You gift us. Would You pour out Your giftings that we would be the body of Jesus You've called us to be to one another, for one another, for God's glory and His alone. Would You help work and move in that way? We, we are in desperate need of You. Even now as we sing, would You empower and enliven and fill our words and our praise. For Jesus' glory we pray. Amen.